All right, Nostalgia is back to give you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan. I am Pat Sheehan. Almost <laughs> forgot my, my own Pat name. Pat Sheehan I am. Yeah. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, last night I watched Frozen. ABC showed it. There was a, uh, a weird Target play that was going on in, in between with John Legend. and Like Target the Store? Yeah. They had a, a play for the holidays where John Legend played the, the Rat King in like a, an adaptation huh. of The Nutcracker. It was very strange. But I got to thinking about Frozen. Is there a bigger kids movie over the last couple of years? I mean, Zootopia probably did better in the box office. But thinking about just the overall influence, I mean... Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Frozen has had lasting effect. It's three years old. 2013? doesn't even seem that old. 14. Inside Out is bigger than that. It's bigger than Big Hero 6. Secret Life of Dogs. Pets. 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 Definitely right. bigger than that. It's bigger than Tangle, which came out beforehand, which a lot of Disney had say is better than Frozen. Yeah. Spoiler uh, alert, I haven't even seen Frozen. Oh, really? I've wanted to, I've just never seen it. it it's a good movie, and the reason yeah, I, I that's think... That's why I want to see it. The reason I thought it might be a good place to start today is because we're going to be previewing Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which the second installment of Star Wars that has a really strong heroine in mm. leading the, the cast. That's right. Felicity Jones playing Jenna Erso. So we will be getting more into that. We're also going to talk about J. Cole's new album, For Your Eyes Only. Eyes oh. with a Z. I mean... <laughs> Because he's super gangsta now. Uh, <laughs> not, not exactly. <laughs> why, why don't we start, though, with uh, award season kickback off, Dave. Yeah. Which, uh, we started off in the middle of that. award season last year, so shout out to us. We're coming up on a year. Yeah, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Yeah, episode stay, one. Stay plugged. Oscar 2016 predictions. Yeah. If you want to hear how good we did, which we did, we did pretty well. Yeah, we each had some, some really good calls and I think some, some not so good calls on that one. Critic Choice Awards, I mean, there's not much to say. La La Land cleaned up, yes, eight awards. Including Best Picture. Which, I mean, I haven't seen La La Land yet. It came out this past weekend. We will be eventually talking about that, Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight, when we get around to seeing them. If you want us to be able to see them, tweet at all your favorite sponsors and, and, <laughs> and, and, and people that do advertisements so that we can afford to go to all these movies. Yes. Help us help you. Yeah. You know what, you guys, we give you the, the, this free podcast every week. You you guys can tweet at your, your favorite sponsor, I guess. And then tweet at us, at NostalgiaPod. Yeah, include us in there. So yeah, La La Land cleaned up. The People vs. OJ also cleaned up, which, hasn't isn't that like three years old now? It, feel, <laughs> it feels like it. I, I just get really annoyed when movies get awarded after the Oscars and shows get awarded after the Emmys. That's like that's how the stupid award season calendars work. They're all on their own timeline. Like, like the Grammys are in February, like right after the Oscars, mm-hmm. but the cutoff to be eligible for those Grammys next year was in September, five months earlier. That's just, it's so dumb. People vs. OJ still getting awards. I don't think anyone cares about them, though, because they already did the Emmy thing. Right. So Which we did really well with our predictions there. Also yeah, find those. I, I think you did a little better than I did. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate McKinnon also won the Critics' Choice Award this time. <laughs> So, moving forward, though, the Golden Globes released their list of nominees today. Anything notable in there? Deadpool, Best Musical Slash Comedy Film, and Best Actor in Musical Slash Comedy for Ryan Reynolds. He's come a long way, man. He definitely has. I saw The Proposal last night while flipping through the channels. It was was awful. With Sandra Bullock, that's a bad movie. And I watched Just Friends on Netflix the other day, just to kill the time. It has... He's been so many duds, critically and commercially. Right. And he was already in superhero jail after Green Lantern, so it's a wonder that he's... He's really come really a long way. Picked himself back up. Yeah, and we, we talked about on the pod how much we both 
love Deadpool. We thought it was yeah. a great movie this year. Very surprising, and, and well, I don't know about very surprising, but it was pleasantly surprising in terms of how well received it was. Yeah, well, it's just it's very different. Absolutely, you know, people know this by now. But in terms of how it's a different kind of superhero movie, and also hilarious, so it's nice to see it actually get some award love. What probably won't win, but that's nice to see. Uh, and the the best musical or comedy category, mm-hmm. a strange combo. Yeah. Uh, it gives us a reason, I guess, <laughs> to to actually care about the Golden Globes. Wait, but La La Land's gonna win that because that's a musical. Right. So uh, oh, thanks for thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> but w- when you think about the Golden Globes, I guess I think I said it's my favorite one just because I get so drunk, it's a little more yes, loose. Yes. Because no one ones. cares. But yeah, th- this actually gives you a reason to be a little bit more invested sure. than normal because sure, sure. you want to see Deadpool do well. Yeah. I mean, there's always like weird things like a few years ago, Andy Samberg won for Brooklyn Nine Nine yeah. during its first year, and he said in the speech, "I have nothing prepared. I did not expect this." <laughs> so there is a little wild card to the Golden Globes if you care about that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll be following that and we'll, we'll be cranking up award season on the podcast coming up. We'll also be doing some end of year stuff in the next yes. couple of weeks. But why don't we talk about uh, an exciting new trailer that came out. And actually there, there were two, so I'll let you pick. Where do you want to start, Dave? Do you want to talk about Spider-Man or do you want to talk about the Fate of the Furious, <laughs> which just an awesome name. The Fate of the Furious. Yeah, Let's wh- start why don't we start there? Let's start at 100. I mean, what a trailer. <laughs> that trailer had literally everything you could want. Shout out Charlize Theron. Yes. A She's Academy a- Award winner, making out with Dom Toretto, and <laughs> walking white girl dreads. She is she's a goddess, man. I mean... Mad she- Max killed it. Yeah, every everything she's in, she's fantastic. Even but. Snow White win, in the uh, Winter's War. Yeah, Snow, whatever. She, I mean, she's just, <laughs> she's just amazing. But yeah, when, when I saw her in those dreads, I was like, it's like uh, Angelina Jolie in Gone in sixty seconds. It's just like, wow. okay, sure. <laughs> that, that interesting comparison. I don't even know if I've seen that movie, but it's with Nick Cage. You probably didn't see it. I'm not gonna watch <laughs> a, a Nick Cage Angelina Jolie movie. But this trailer was just absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. everything about it, it has. All the all the cast members pretty much coming back together. That all of them except for Paul yeah, Walker. Paul Walker. Rip rip. Um, it, it did show a picture of him too, mm. and how you know Vin Diesel is going against his family now. As a, I don't know. Apparently Charlie Theron has some kind of dirt on him or something she can hold we'll over see. him. It, I, I don't think he's going full bad guy, but I think it's a nice angle right. for the franchise. It's just funny that we're still calling the trailer absurd because in Fury Seven they jump a Lamborghini or some fancy sports car. Through not one but two skyscrapers in Dubai. But Dave, what about that sub submarine though? <laughs> like, what's, what's Ludacris say? It's like we have a tank now or something. It's like, <laughs> they, what, I think there's a part where Tay Diggs is driving and they're like, "Why are they shooting only at me?" And they're like, "Maybe it's because you're only maybe because you're in the orange Lamborghini." You mean Tyrese? Get, Tyrese? Tyrese get, yeah. yeah Roman Pierce. He's like yeah. the comedic relief of the franchise. So point. it was just there's so many. I mean, even the part where they all shoot, I don't even know some kind of like cables. Yeah, into Vin Diesel's car and he somehow pulls away and yeah, makes it's awesome. Trip. It's it's amazing. So my favorite thing about the Fast and the Furious franchise and its various names for each movie is that. This thing was dead multiple times because Too Fast, Too Furious is the worst movie in the franchise, the second movie. And then Tokyo Drift brings it back and says, oh, there's something here. And then Fast and Furious, the fourth one where they bring back Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez, also really bad. But what happens? Fast Five comes out in 2011 with The Rock, and it's never been better. And then from there, it just became a full-fledged action series. So shout out The Rock for saving this and making it. I mean, Furious 7 was a billion-dollar movie. It's just crazy how far it's come, and crazy over-the-top action movies 
and they're really fun. The Rock could save anything. I mean, he probably will be our next president, and he should be because I think he can pretty much do anything he wants. Speaking of The Rock, this was not on my list, but did you see the Baywatch trailer? No. Oh, it's so Is awesome. Is he in Baywatch? Yes, it's him and Zac Efron. What? And I'll tell you, it looks great. I was more excited about than the Spidey trailer. I did not. Wow. I, yeah. I wish you would send that to me. I, I need to watch that literally right after we're done recording. That sounds very exciting. <laughs> do you want to watch it now? <laughs> That's so ridiculous. All right, and we're back. I just watched the Baywatch trailer, and it is fantastic. <laughs> the good thing about that trailer, just my initial reaction, it doesn't try anything other than basically 22 Jump Street on the beach. Yeah. It's about Tatum and Jonah Hill for The Rock and Zac Efron. Yeah, and you put a lot of hot girls around them. Yeah. It's, it looks pretty perfect for what, for what it is, so that that's very exciting. Why don't we talk about Spider-Man, though? Because mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good trailer. It was good, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, there's a, there's a lot to pick apart with it. I think this everyone's just so happy that we finally have a teenager playing Spider-Man. Yeah. Playing Peter Parker mm-hmm. and Tom Holland. Because Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were both in their late 20s when they started the role, <laughs> and in their 30s when they stopped. Um, and also, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark looks like he'll be a great presence yeah. in the film, just p- building off that chemistry they had in Civil War. Yeah. So it looks fun. That, that was my initial reaction, because pretty early on you see Tony Stark and Peter Parker interacting, and I was like, I wonder if he's actually going to fight alongside Spider-Man at any point. Yeah. And then at the end, it shows yeah. them flying out together. So there was some kind of... They won't let him steal the show no. like that, but he'll be in there. Yeah, and I, I thought it was the kind of the perfect tone, too, because you see Tony Stark, you know, he, he goes to let him out the car, and Peter Parker gives him a hug, and he's like, uh, I was not giving you a hug, I was just letting you out the door. <laughs> it has, like, the, the pretty yeah. perfect comic relief to it, mm-hmm. but, like, the mentor-mentee trying to prove himself. Michael Keaton also seems like he's... Yeah, Vulture's rocking his, some Green Goblin garb. Yeah. By the look of it, his technology and stuff. And, and just, I think, the, the tone, like, you hear Keaton saying, don't get in my way or I'll kill you and everybody you love or something like that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's going to a pretty creepy place. Which... Yeah. I, I'm just, I just still can't get over how ironic it is that yeah. Birdman's playing a superhero <laughs> again. Also, hopefully, we're not going to get the Uncle Ben death again. Doesn't look like we're gonna get it because we already saw him in Civil War. We'll see. Everybody knows at this point. We already talked about this. It's like it's like Batman's parents. We we get it. We yeah. understand. We know. Did you like Andrew Garfield Spider Man? Because I did. I, I didn't... thought he was pretty good. Yeah. I, honestly, he was not the problem with those movies. At first, I thought the first one was really good, The Amazing Spider Man. Mm-hmm. But I think Sony kind of dicked him over by trying to make their own universe. They're like, right. oh, we have a Sinister Six movie. Let's plug all these little things in there. And, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy Fox's Electro was awful, but. I liked Garfield. I thought him and Emma Stone had great chemistry, which yeah. is probably why they started dating. But uh, <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad for him because it wasn't really his fault. The movies they they moved on from him. I don't I don't think it was his fault. I I just I also feel like I'm okay with them moving on from him. Oh I sure, yeah. I mean, now now it's back with Marvel Studios running it alongside Sony, right? Which is obviously great. Everyone wants that. If only mm-hmm. X Men would somehow have that happen as well. And it's it's pretty clear that this is taking place after. The Avengers Civil yeah, War. Yeah, definitely. Right? Because he, he recognizes all the Avengers and says, hey, I, I, you, you aren't the guys I know at the very beginning of the <laughs> yeah. thing, which is pretty funny. It sounds like this is going to be a good reboot, so I'm excited for that. Something I was not as excited for, at least compared to your excitement, was J. Cole's new album, mm-hmm. For Your Eyes Only. And I listened to most of the songs this past weekend. It wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I thought mm. it was still very well done. So, I wouldn't even go that far. You wouldn't say it was very well done? I think it's very ambitious. I think it's kind of sloppy, though. It's a concept album to a fault. About, what, tons of important themes in there, right? Yeah, there it talks is. about fatherhood, 
mm-hmm. with Jacob's Social got justice. a kid. There you go. Yeah, mass incarceration, toxic masculinity, you know, like tough yeah. guys, police brutality, a lot, uh, of, a lot of personal things in general with, and how like love can help you get through all right. this heavy shit in the world. But I don't know, I just felt like some of his bars were just a little, uh, he's always been a little corny sometimes, but yeah. I don't know, I just, it didn't, it didn't really grab me. The album, I think Neighbors is the best song on the project, which has the best beat too. It's like subtle drum roll with a really good bass line. And that's about basically J. Cole moved into like a white affluent neighborhood and the neighbors thought he was selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, no matter how successful I am, no matter the fact that Obama plays my album, people still are going to racially profile me, basically what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just, none of the songs really jumped out at me. I got to listen to it again. But it's just not as enjoyable to listen to as 2014 Forest Hills Drive, which also had some heavy shit on there right. as well. I did, actually, the first note I wrote when I was writing down my thoughts for this was just a bunch of Zs, because when I was listening to it, I felt like I pretty much zoned out. I wasn't even really listening to what was being said. I kind of was just listening to it as background music. Yeah. When I say I thought it, it was well done, I thought the instruments were, were actually really uh, yeah. good touch I mean, to he, he is a producer, too. He has a good ear for beats. And when I was reading up some background, I guess he actually really got involved with how he wanted it to sound. He was playing some of the instruments himself, which I I thought was really interesting. I didn't know J. Cole was that involved in in the the production of his music. that voice has been. Two songs that I thought really stood out to me was Change and Fold and Close, which I I think it was just because Change was probably the song that I thought was most meaningful on the album, or at least touched on maybe the, the most broad topic that most that I think most people can relate to in terms of social justice and yeah. racial profile and things like that. And then Folding Clothes, I thought it was just kind of an interesting that song's metaphor. That's fuck, dude. Oh, it is, but I thought it was an interesting metaphor because I was like... Is he... You're talking about Folding Clothes. Where people stand <laughs> on Folding Clothes is kind of where I... Also where like, I think you can talk about this album because Folding Clothes is really a sloppy song. He's like basically like, oh, you know, I want to I do my laundry for my girl because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm about that. I, I'm, I'm a lover, blah, blah, blah. I was like, bro, we don't give participation medals just because you tried to be lyrical. <laughs> I just don't think there, you didn't really say anything that great because, oh, you want to do the laundry because your girl's taking a nap? Like, that's fine. David. Your girl can take a nap. Everyone's, everyone's entitled to naps, but I don't know. I just... I just think J. Cole missed the mark on this album. You sound disappointed, Dave. I am very disappointed. I'm not going to go back to this. It's not that fun to listen to. Mm. 2014 has Wet Dreams, Tale of Two Cities, No Rule Miles, Fire Squad, and Get Off My Dick. Awesome songs you can listen to as singles. They also flow into the album. A lot of them say a lot of good stuff on there, uh, important things. And he doesn't really have a a, a song like that besides Neighbors. I was going to ask, what is the single off this album? Deja Vu? Probably, but the funny thing about Deja Vu is that's the same exact beat that Bryson Tiller uses on Exchange, which is already a huge hit for him. <laughs> so I was like, you know better than that. Also, False Prophets, we talked about last week. Right, and then he... SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. That's the same beat that Joey Badass has for Waves, which is one of his best songs. Badass tweeted that he gave him the blessing months ago to use the beat, but using Bryson Tiller's Exchange beat on your commercial album? Questionable. And like False Prophets Especially and Everybody after... Dies, they're not on this album. Yeah. It wouldn't even make sense in mm-hmm. terms of the flow. I'm just disappointed in it just because, like, I see what you're trying to do here, and I just think he's varying levels of success in, in terms of the message he's trying to convey. I saw it written that he'd make a good uncle one day <laughs> in terms of the way he tells stories because sometimes he's not that good at it. That's an, but, like, you know, you understand what he's trying to do. That's actually a really funny observation. Uh, I guess I would have to listen a little bit closer, and maybe it was because I, I did 
really find myself not being totally invested in the album. And that was probably also partially because I'm not a huge J. Cole fan. Anymore. I need to listen to it again, but, uh, but my yeah. first listen in half, I'm disappointed. It's, it's fine. It, and that's, here's the thing. It's still a good album, and in terms of the J. Cole like pantheon of projects, mm-hmm. it's probably his second best album. But that also goes into my critique of J. Cole's ridiculous fans that worship everything he's ever done. Mm-hmm. And this is an ambitious project. I'm, I'm not saying it's not ambitious, and it's great that we have lyrical lyrical songs tackling important issues and themes. Right. And J. Cole is not shy about the fact that he cares about important stuff, and he kind of hates his celebrity and things like that. But you, there's also something that needs to be said for executing. And I just don't think you did that, whether it's filler bars or just the song not coming together. So, disappointed, but yeah, let us know what you think. Do you think sonically it was as sloppy as you feel like the lyrics were? I mean, sonically it flows fine. None of the beats right. jump off the page, but none of the beats are necessarily bad. I mean, like, again, Deja Vu, it's a beat that I've heard before, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. hold that against him in terms of the sonics. To Pimp a Butterfly for Kendrick Lamar, one of Cole's good friends, contemporaries, they're often compared hand-in-hand in terms of lyrical rappers of substance. Right. All of his songs... Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly and even Good Kid Mad City that try and tackle something, you understand what he was tackling and they do it well. Where Coley, I feel like he kind of like runs through the bush. He doesn't really like, he doesn't really get into it. Or he tries to, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it just doesn't come out well. It's funny because if you read any comment section on his on his reviews out there or review video or something, you'll see this. You'll see people that want to love it for what he's trying to do and will defend him because they love defending Cole and people that will just overly criticize him. I think I'm just somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you sound pretty meh on it. I am. Meh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you were disappointed by this album, Dave. I know that you really like J. Cole, but you have a lot of good, uh, other good albums this year that you can turn back to and, mm-hmm. and forget that this album ever happened, if you like. So. <laughs> I've talked about a lot of hip-hop in the past year on the show, and I'm usually pretty positive. So this is, really, this is one of the projects I'm most negative on. And again, it's all relative. I'm, this is for right. J. Cole standards. Right. Compared to other rappers, this would be above the average yeah, bar. I'm going to put out a list like a, a comprehensive power rank of all the hip-hop albums all I listened to this year. All oh, of them. Okay. It's like, what, 27 albums probably? I thought you were saying all the albums that came out this year. I was like, that's very ambitious. Oh, no. <laughs> but moving on to something that I think we can both agree we're very excited for, unlike the J. Cole album. <laughs> Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Gareth Edwards. The Don. Actually, I, looking at his list, I don't know if I've watched any of the movies that he's directed. You see Godzilla? No. I'm not a big monster movie guy. Although, I do have to say, probably one of my favorite scary movies was Cloverfield. Mm. So, take that for what's There you go. But no, I did not see Godzilla. It seems like he does large-scale well if he did Godzilla. So, Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's in capable hands. Mm -hmm. But we we talked about how there were were reshoots, uh, some problems on set. Eh, Not problems on set. There were reshoots, like most big movies with budgets. I think we, we shared with the last trailer, we both had mixed reactions to it. You you seemed much more positive than I was. You were just looking to hate. Hate, 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 hate. I was looking to hate. I, I was also, I think, looking to temper expectations for myself. But based off the early reviews, it seems like this movie's going to do very well and be very well received. Two tweets I want to read from the premiere. One was from Anthony Bresnikin. He is a writer for Entertainment Weekly, does all their Star Wars coverage. It's mm-hmm. a great follow if you like him, at Bresnikin. I expected it to be funny. I didn't expect to be choked up. Moments of true bravery and some speeches we need right now. Hashtag Rogue One. Another one. Terry Schwartz from IGN, another person I like to follow. She also does a lot of good Game of Thrones coverage. God emphasized that it's a dark, dark 
dark. This is a war movie. It puts the wars in Star Wars to make a bad pun. Actually, wow. Rogue One. And then even Kevin Smith, who everyone knows. Holy Sith. Rogue One movie is unbelievably <laughs> wonderful. No lie, it is Empire Strikes Back great. An excellent chapter in the Star Wars universe. And there's a lot of similar takes That's from industry professionals. Praise. Now, I believe the review embargo breaks Tuesday. So by the time you're hearing this, the reviews will be out there. I'll definitely be avoiding reading those until I see it. But it doesn't look like I will be disappointed in what they say because it's supposed to be fantastic. And I'm very excited. Based off these initial reactions, I'm very excited too. Why don't we give a little bit of background on what this is going to be? If, you, if you've if you been living under a rock... Mm. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah. If you live under a rock and somehow listen to us yeah. and learn all these woke things we tell you, <laughs> good job on you, I guess. I don't know. That's hard to do. Basically, it's it's a, a war story about uh, stealing the, the, the Death Star plans so that the Rebel Alliance in A New Hope yes. uh, can destroy the Death Star. If we recall, in A New Hope, we see the opening crawl, you know, when the text goes across the screen mm-hmm. to start the movie. Which will not be happening in this movie for the first time ever in a Star Wars Right. Movie. In that opening crawl, the very first sentence, very first passage, says that, paraphrase it, the Rebels have won their first battle against the Empire and have stolen the plans to their new secret battle station, the Death Star. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that battle in this movie. The, movie's, cool. the movie starts with Princess Leia's Corellian Corvette being chased by that Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. When you first see her ship and then have that massive shot of how big the Star Destroyer is compared to it. She has the plans on her ship. We are seeing how the plans get onto her ship, Darth Vader which is the says, first freaking frame of the first Star Wars movie. Darth Vader says, tell me where the rebel plans are. Yeah. Which is also very cool that James Earl Jones is playing the voice of Darth Vader yeah. so many years later. Yeah. It's very cool. He's great. And one of, the, one of the tweets that was out there mentioned Darth Vader has a very menacing moment or something yeah, like that. Yeah, true moment of horror, I yeah, think it's true said. moment of horror, yeah. which... I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, you got to be really excited to see that. Yep. But it has a pretty good, if but not a very well-known cast. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is probably yep. the biggest star. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, yep. Uh, cool thing about Forrest Whitaker, I may have mentioned this before. He's butler. Play, yeah, he, yeah, butler, last king of Scotland, he won an Oscar for. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's playing a character called Saul Guerrera, and Saul Guerrera was a character we first saw in Star Wars The Clone Wars, the yeah. cartoon. He's the first cartoon, which is also canon for Star Wars, mm-hmm. first cartoon character to be in the movie. And they said that they weren't just doing it to shoehorn, but it made sense narratively. So that's really cool. So I actually watched his episodes for Clone Wars over the weekend just mm. to get in the mood. So, get in the mood. <laughs> yeah, he's like, in Clone Wars, he's like a freedom fighter kind of deal. So we'll see what he has in store, probably helping Jin and crew, something along those lines. Funny, quick, Forrest Whitaker side note. When a couple of years back, you can take your face and it'll tell you what celebrity you look most like. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker is my number one match almost every it. single time. I see it. Which uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should be offended or very excited. <laughs> but yeah, so the the lead, I alluded to it earlier, Felicity Jones mm-hmm. playing Jin Erso. From Theory of Everything, obviously, yep. with Eddie Redmayne, the Golden Boy. She's also an episode of Girls. It's been a lot of stuff. She's, I think, yeah. 32, so she's been around, but this is her, mm-hmm. obviously her breakout hit. Diego Luna, I mean, he's been around since the 90s doing stuff. I think he's been more of a character actor before. I'm not familiar with any of his movies. Yeah, he plays Cassian Andor. Ca- Cassian Endor? Or something Cassian like Endor, okay. And Cersei, something like that. Uh, Tom, or should I say Ben Mendelsohn? Uh, I always get him confused. I think I haven't said his name correctly yeah, ever ben, on this show. Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn from Bloodline yeah. fame. Plays Beyond the Pines. Character actor has been a lot of stuff. Also in The Dark Knight. Rises, yes, yes which he is. is a, a great scene when Bane's like, do you feel like you're in control? And yep. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, I believe it's D or something. D- uh, David? D- D- it's John Diggert. Or Daggert? Daggert? Daggett? Yeah, John Daggett. John Daggett, there you go. Yeah, something like that. It's cool because he's, he's a great example of that 
actor you've seen before, but you didn't know who he was or why he was good. Then. Right. So then you rewatch the movie, you're like, oh, that guy's in this? Mm-hmm. Next time I see Dark Knight Rises, I'll say that. So, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn is playing the big bad Orson Krennic. Yep, director Krennic. Which, if there's one person who has to go up against Darth Vader... It, Ben Mendelsohn might be the perfect person to play that because he plays like that slow, just kind of like underneath rage that mm-hmm. comes out in like those little looks or like a sneer he can give you probably better than anybody well, else right now. If we recall, he won the Emmy for Bloodline and he wasn't even there. <laughs> he, he was probably in, in Australia living the life. And then, and then uh, Riz MC is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not the actual duo, but Riz Ahmed from The Night Of. Yep, Apparently his role was rewritten to have more lines and more backstory, which is really good. He's playing... The pilot. Boda Rude? Something like that, yeah. We, 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 we don't know yet. We don't know how the pronunciation goes. Yeah, and then Matt, Mads Mikkelsen plays Jim Orso's dad. Which... Yeah, apparently Krennic goes to him because he helped Galen in the past, and like Galen owes him a favor, more or less. So it's not so much that he's going to kidnap Galen or so, but more is like, hey, you, we know you're good at this opportunity for you. Help me help you. Someone along those lines. And of course, Alan Tudyk does the mocap for that droid. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the name. Which, he might be the best voice actor out there right now. Oh yeah, Alan, you got Alan Tudyk's Wikipedia. It is huge. He's everywhere. I was actually thinking about it last night because I was looking at the Frozen cast, like greeting through all the. Oh, people. he's one of the snowmen, right? No, he's not the snowman. That's uh. Josh Gad. Yeah, Josh yeah. Gad. He plays a guy from Weaselton. Oh, okay. <laughs> but his voice, you would never, never know. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, he obviously got his start with I think Firefly. He might have actually been around before. Firefly, Knight's Tale. He was Steve the Pirate yeah, in Dodgeball. <laughs> I mean, he's he's so good at the voice acting stuff. I think he's going to kill it in, what is it, K2SO or something, something like, like that, that, yeah. Apparently, again, from those early tweets, Alan Tudyk's K2SO and Donnie Yen's character mm-hmm. steal the show, apparently. That That's awesome. I'm really excited, man. The, the cool thing about the cast, too, is it's the Rebel Alliance, right? So it's all these different species coming together to fight against yeah. the Empire, and it's kind of reflected in the cast. I mean, Riz Ahmed is... Middle Eastern descent. Yeah. I, he's Pakistani, Pakistani I yeah. think. Yeah. And then you have Donnie Yen. Asian. Yeah, you have and his, uh, com- Luna. And Donnie Yen's compatriot, the guy with the red armor. Right. Also not a white guy. So Forrest Whitaker. So there's yeah. a ton of diversity within the cast. And in the trailer, you'll see other aliens with the Rebels, which in all the books and other materials, you always knew that the Rebels were a cross-species organization. Right. But in the movies, you really only saw humans except for the Admiral Akbar. Mm-hmm. You know, most usually it was just humans. So that'd be cool to see because this is right before A New Hope. So this is the rebels, you know, at their biggest and, you know, soon right. to be strongest. So they, they've been going around for a while. So we'll really get, get put right in the middle of that. There's also that, that one pilot, right, who is like kind of a fish species. Oh, yeah. Right? Neen Num. Uh, yeah. So Celestin, yeah. He, he rides in the Falcon with Lando. Yeah. He was in Force Awakens, too. He was in one of the X-Wings at the end. Yeah, he back. was. That was a great callback. Force Awakens was really well done. So good. I watched it. I'm going to rewatch it again. I think I watched it two months ago, and I was like, this is a very watchable movie over and over. I just am obsessed with Adam Driver's Kylo Ren. Just he's a great. fantastic character. Yeah, he's I can't great. wait to learn more about him. What? Uh, why don't we break this down into what are you most and least excited for with this movie? Yeah, so given all the... I mean, so just to preface that this conversation, we, we know... Yeah, somewhat of what, how the ending is. We're not going to know exactly what happens to all the characters, but we know they get the plans. Right. So we and then they know. destroy the Death Star in the next movie. Right. And the other, the only other thing we know, I guess, from the tweets is the third act is apparently incredible. I mean, I'm guessing it's that's, that's good. probably the heist because part. some movies the third act is bad and right. falls apart. 
Sounds crazy here. So it'll be a build-up. So, yeah, bringing in all the context here, what are you most least excited for at this point? Yeah, g- given uh, the first impressions, they're saying that there's a lot of moments that Star Wars fans will lose their mind, but also people will be surprised. I just really want to see what they have in store for us, because when we first had this movie pitched, we're like, dark war movie. And I've said it before, most of these people are going to die. I just don't mm-hmm. see how they don't, right? There's actually, I think, a scene in the trailer. And, like, Vader see. probably will be helped cause it now with this scene right. of horror, whatever it is. I'm sure it's affecting some of this crew. Sure. So just seeing Star Wars at its, you know, its darkest, and we always knew these kind of things mm-hmm. happened in that, you know, such a fully-fledged universe, but we never really saw it, per se, because we were, you know, following, you know, the main story. Just, I just want to see this... See this go down, man. I'm really excited. I think that that's a really great point because as I was thinking about this, I was also thinking about the Han Solo movie, which is the only other confirmed Star Wars spinoff movie happening at this point. And the tones are going to be very different. I see this a lot more as like a Saving Private Ryan. Putting the wars in Star Wars. And Han Solo is a lot more like I'm expecting to be a lot more like Deadpool in a way. Sure. Where it's going to be funny, yeah. witty. Yeah. We're following know, a Dash character that we know is not dying in it. Right. And, you know, Lando also, same boat. So that's more about the camaraderie, maybe buddy copiness, who knows. And I, the I, wars. We'll see. I think what's exciting about it is basically that the main trilogies have a recipe to them in a way. Like, yeah. you know you're going to see certain things. You're you following the, the Skywalker story. Exactly. This in is, all seven. This is moving into a territory where it can really make these things any way it wants to. It doesn't need to follow a mm-hmm. specific plot line. I mean, you already know what's going to happen this one, so you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want between point A and point B. It's just, how much fun are you going to make yeah. it to get there? Well, and seeing Vader, you know, fuck shit up, too. Yeah. I mean, that's... Like, I've seen, we've seen in the comics and stuff, really? but, like, really seeing it on screen... Yeah, there's that. Seeing him at his full villainy, you know, would be really something. Right, between the end of the first, I guess, the first three and then the last three of the mm-hmm. original original trilogy before yeah. The Force Awakens, there's that huge gap, so you don't even really know what things look like then. I mean, you have some sort of idea that right. Vader and Palpatine are taking control of the Empire. And, yep. Or it's like, space. Say, well, it's, yeah, it's like an 18-year gap because Luke is born and then, you know, he's right. a young, young man. So um, what, what what's Vader doing at that time? Just murking people every day? Right. Well, yeah, working on the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're not excited for? Probably not, man, no. I mean, the only thing I wouldn't be excited for is being disappointed. Or or seeing something that would just... Be, you know, because... <laughs> I am not excited to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> but, I mean, given all this extensive praise so far, I, I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's interesting, because... Hearing these reviews made me rethink why I didn't like the second trailer, and I think the main thing I talked about was we didn't need to have this extra family story to drive the plot. Mm -hmm. There's already a reason to drive the plot, but it sounds like the way that these things tie in is more in a way to give depth to Jin Erso's character Mm -hmm. than anything else. I'm pretty sure what I said. Last time. <laughs> so, Dave, Dave, you were right. Oh, yeah, we'll see how that goes, though. That right. could very well be something that only kind of works, you know? Yeah. We'll see. The good news is that it sounds like the action parts are going to be pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm guessing if they had to do the reshoots, and I, this is my conspiracy theory thought today in the shower, maybe it was just, it was too dark at first. And they were like, maybe. we, we, that need, very well could we, be we true. still need to sell action figures to this. We still need kids to have, sure. be accessible to this. Yeah, and they said Tony Gilroy was working on the ending among the things he was working on. Interesting. When he came in to help with the reshoots. so Which is actually a really good sign, then, if that third act is that good and he was mm-hmm. helping the ending, that means the reshoots yeah. probably really worked. He made $5 million off all this work. Damn. Reshooting. I wish I could make $5 million off coming yeah. in to clean up somebody's mess. 
pretty crazy. That'd be great. So we will be talking about Rogue One next week. Uh, maybe some other movies, uh, year in review stuff. Yeah, um, we got some power ranks. We got some 2016 year in review things to do, for sure. So we'll, we'll be talking about all of that and more on next week's Nostalgia. In the meantime, talk with us on Twitter, at NostalgiaPod. Dave is at Martin Swagger. I am at Sheeny World Peace. Follow us, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever else. And tune in. Yeah, tune in. There we go. Don't leave tune in out. Yeah, poor tune in. I always forget that. (laughs) Dave, any last words for this week's show? Just search your feelings, Pat. You know the movie's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. We'll be talking about it next week. See you then. The Force is strong with you.